If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up the Gospel of John chapter 17. I want to introduce a new sermon series today entitled Influence. It's very clear from the Gospels that God expects us as born-again, spirit-filled believers to be influencers in our culture, among our culture, and not to just be completely isolated from the culture, but that we are here to impact in a positive way and to influence our culture. The word influence defined from Webster's Dictionary means the power to affect others. The power to affect others. Of course, we're familiar with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses in, in all the world. The power to be a witness. To influence means to have the power to affect others. The power to produce effects because of wealth, position, or ability. So influence, again, it's God's heart's desire is that we as the church, we are the salt and the light of the world. That means we are here to impact the world, and we must know that there is no impact without contact. But there's also a, a, a very strategic way that God has us to be impacting and influence the world system. So in John chapter 17, this chapter is known as uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer. He begins his prayer at the beginning of the chapter. He's praying for himself. Then he transitions into praying for his disciples. And then towards the end of the chapter, he, he transitions into praying for all believers. You know, he's praying for his current disciples, but then he's praying for those that will become believers and followers of Jesus Christ. So I want you to know, I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but Jesus prayed to the Father for you as one who would be coming to know him and to be a follower of him. Jesus prayed for you. And I have a suspicion that Jesus' prayers are answered. Amen? His prayers are answered. When, the Father, when Jesus prayed to the Father for you, I believe that prayer was answered. I believe my prayers are answered. I believe your prayers are answered. But I, I have a, just a little more confidence in that Jesus got his prayers answered because the Bible says when we pray according to the will of God, God hears us. And if we know that he hears us, he answers us. So Jesus' prayers are answered. So we're not going to look at the prayer in its entirety today. I encourage you to familiarize yourself with it by reading it and put it in that perspective that he's praying for himself, praying for his disciples, then also praying for all believers. Another quick point there I want to bring out is that when you have your prayer time, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you praying for yourself. Don't think, well, I can't pray for myself. There's too many other things in the world. Well, if you're not together, you're probably not doing a very good job of influencing others. The Lord's Prayer includes prayer for ourselves. This prayer, Jesus prayed for himself. So we need to be praying for ourselves. We need to be built up. We need to be edified. We, we need to be what God has called us to be. So without any uh, more digressions, let's, look at, let's begin reading this prayer. We're going to dive into it at, at uh, verse 14. He's, at this point, he's still praying for his disciples. In verse 14, he says, I have given them your word. He's talking, Jesus talking to God, saying, I've, I've given them, your disciples, your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. 
Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now the transition for believers in the future, which would include us. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So this is just a portion of Jesus' heart. We hear hear his heart in this prayer, and his heart is, is that we not be conformed to this world, but at the same time, we are not to be isolated from the world. So there's a, a tightrope to walk there. Not to be conformed to the world, but also we are not to be isolated from the world. In our series we just completed on transforming grace, we used the, the text was Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 where the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome that we're not to be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's one of my go-to verses, Romans 12 too. We talk a lot about not being conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, renewing the way we think. The, the Phillips translation of the New Testament reads like this, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 from the Phillips translation. We don't have that up on the screen, but some just listen to it. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. So don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Jesus said, I'm praying for, Jesus prayed for us that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And even though we are not to be conformed by this world, we are at the same token not to be isolated from the world. See, I grew up in a household that the priority was isolation from the world. In order to be protected, in order to uh, uh, protect the faith, in order to, you know, to whatever their outcomes, whatever their desired goals were, that the main the emphasis that I heard from that was be separate from the world and purposely did things and had rules and regulations, dress codes and uh, all kinds of rules of things that must be abstained from. And, and the statement in those were that this means that we are not of the world. It was not uncommon for me in my growing up years, I'd hear this phrase when we'd be talking, when a conversation was going on about people, something happened to someone or something that's good or bad, they're just talking about someone and the person didn't know them, one of the questions I would often hear would be, are they one of us? Are they one of us? Meaning, are they of this church? Are they of this persuasion? And I always remember, even as a child, even before I received Jesus as my Savior, I would, when I heard it, I would think, well, if they're not one of us, doesn't it matter? You know, someone died in an accident. Did you hear so-and-so died in a car accident? Well, were they one of us? 
And if they weren't one of us, then no big deal. I'm sure that they all mean that, but you can certainly see how I could interpret it that way. And so we don't want to, we don't want to be in a situation where we are completely isolated from the world, nor do we want to be conformed unto the world. So it's that tightrope, but we can walk it. We can, we, can, we can walk the balanced life that Jesus called us to so that we can be a positive influence on the world rather than being influenced by the world. I mean, if you just stop and think about it for a moment, you think, just think about the world system for a moment. Before we do that, let me share this with you. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. You can keep thinking about that because until it comes to you, then I'll get to it myself. Turn to... Uh, 1 John chapter 2. I want to define the word world because it's used in many different ways in the scriptures and I just want to make sure that we're on the same page because we're using that terminology quite a bit because Jesus used it in, in the prayer that he sent us into the world but we're not to be of the world and so forth. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 And 17, this is this first definition I want to give you. First of all, the, the word world, when, it's in, when you see the word world, it's translated from the Greek word cosmos. You're probably familiar with that word, the cosmos. And its meaning in the scripture really depends in, in, in the context in which it is used. So first of all, here in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we are instructed to not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, to love the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So in this particular setting, context, the word world means the present condition of human affairs in alienation from God. The present condition of human affairs in alienation from and in opposition to God. So worldliness, in essence, in this setting, in this context, is a love for the world system, which is under the control of Satan, who is the God of this world. So in this particular setting, it's referring to the world system and, and the affairs of the, the condition of human affairs that are alienated from God. Then in chapter 4 and verse 1, we have the word world again, and here it's simply talking about the earth or the planet. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice they've gone out into the world. I mean, you think we sent missionaries out into the world. We're sending them to China. We're sending them to Africa. We're sending them to Berks County. We're sending them to wherever missionaries need to be. So that's, in that setting, it just means the earth, the planet. And then, in chapter, continuing in chapter 4, in verse 14, it says, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. So in this verse, and also in the Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, God so loved the world. Well, here in 1 John 2, we're told not to love the world. And John 3, 16 tells us God so loved the world. But in this particular setting, the, the, world is, the word world is in reference to the people of the world, to humanity. So we have the three different uh, 
context is here. One first one means that the present condition of the human affairs and the alienation from God. It can also simply mean the planet, the planet Earth. We're going all over the planet proclaiming the gospel. And it also means that the people of the world, when it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. And now I forgot why I told you to think about what I told you to think about. So... <laughs> So who can tell me what I told you to think about? <laughs> Influence, the power to produce effects. And so we want to be people of influence. Jesus revealed, Jesus revealed in this high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, if you'll turn back to, the, back to that prayer, the Gospel of John chapter 17. Jesus revealed his heart in this particular prayer, you'll notice in verse 15, he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. He's praying to God the Father for his disciples, for followers of Christ. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one or keep them, protect them from the world system. The evil one, Satan, is the god of this world. So we have that tension between participating in humanity, in, in our culture, and yet being not conformed by our culture, but rather being people that are impacting, or the word influence, influence the culture with the love of God with the wisdom of God, with the peace of God, with the joy of God. And it, it's, it's possible to do it, but we have to be followers and we have to stay in tune with, with, with the very heartbeat of God and we have to continue to be filled with the Spirit, empowered by God to be witnesses, to be influencers in all the world. So he, his prayer was, don't take them out of the world, but while they're in the world, basically you know, paraphrasing this, you know, now they're followers of you, God, don't take them out of the world because there's many other people that need what they have, but at the same time, protect them from the influences of the evil one. Don't let them lose the faith. Protect them. Protect them. In verse 16, he said, they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. So we're not of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not of this world. You could add to it, but I'm in it. In Colossians chapter, in the first chapter of Colossians, the scriptures tells us that we have been delivered from the, from the power of the evil one. And that is a true statement. That is a fact. We have been delivered from the power of the evil one. But notice what it doesn't say in Colossians 1, 13, I think it is. It says it does not say we've been delivered from the presence. When we are born again, we come into the kingdom of God's dear son. We are delivered from the power of the evil one, but we are still in this world. We are still in the presence of the evil one. Therefore, we are not squeezed into the mold of the evil one. We're not being conformed by the evil one, even though we're in the presence of the evil one. Sometimes it can be exhausting. Sometimes it can feel like we're not gaining any ground. Sometimes it feels like we're losing ground as far as being influencers, being the light and the salt of the world. 
when we look around and we see what's going on in culture and we see the darkness and the, the evil and just the, the, uh, the horrendous things that are taking place in the culture. It feels like we are, we are losing ground, but we, we have to keep the faith. We have to keep the faith. Again, to, to refer back to what I just finished a series on, where grace is abound, where, where sin is abounding, rapidly growing and expanding. In that setting, in that season, grace does much more abound. It's expanding far greater. And so we have to, we have to stay focused. We're not of the world. Then in verse 18, this is Jesus talking to God about you. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So you have been sent into the world. So the whole isolation thing is, you know, you can't just say, well, I'm a Christian now, so I'm going to isolate myself from the world. Well, excuse me, Jesus is telling us here that God sent us into the world. So how can we be sent into the world and be isolated from the world? Did you know the only reason the whole thing hasn't fallen apart yet is because we're here? We're the great Savior. We're the reason things are still flowing, the reason the sun's still coming up in the east and is going down in the west. God's time, the church is here to preserve. The church, universal, when I say we, I don't mean just we here. Grace Church, but the church universal is, is the preserving power of God on the planet today. Let me read that in, I believe, Second Thessalonians if you're looking for something else to read. So we're sent into the world. Never forget that. And in verse 21, the reason we're sent into the world is that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe. There's a reason God has sent us into the world and not having us being isolated from the world, nor being conformed to this world, but being in the world, not conformed by the world, but that we're in the world, that the world may what? Believe that the world may believe that God sent his son Jesus into the world. So it's important that we recognize that. And so it, we're getting to something here called the spirit of fear. So many people are so paranoid and so afraid of anything worldly. I can't get close to that, that's worldly. I can't go here, that's worldly. I can't go over there, that's worldly. Now, I'm not advocating we just participate in all kinds of worldly things for entertainment value. That is worldly. If you're doing it for purely entertainment value, if you're participating in the world strictly for entertainment value, then you're becoming conformed to the world. But if you're participating in the world with the, with the purpose of because I'm here, I'm going to have an opportunity to be a witness. And because we are here, we have an opportunity that the world may believe that God sent his son. That's why we participate. We don't participate for entertainment value. We have our joy and our peace and so forth from God the Father. But we don't isolate ourselves in order to protect ourselves. We protect ourselves with the armor of God. What, you know, why, why would you put your armor on and then just lock yourself in your prayer closet all day? 
I mean, why do soldiers gear up? They're going into what? They're going into battle. So we put the armor on to go into battle. We don't put the armor on then isolate ourselves and withdraw, retreat. You put the armor on because you're, go you're going to go into the battleground. You're going to go into the battlefield, and we're going to go in there, and we're going to be a positive influence. We're going to win people for God. Influencers. The ability, the power to affect others, the power to produce effects because of your position, because of your ability. Webster's also includes because of wealth, and that certainly has an element of truth to it. You can influence people, but it has to be in a positive way. Then in verse 23, one more statement here Jesus makes. Uh, this is his prayer. It says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So there we have it again. God has sent us into the world that we are made one. We are made perfect in love. We are one. We are in unity. And we are into the world that the world may know that God sent Jesus and that God loved Jesus and that God loves them just as he loved Jesus. So our influence on the world, the foundation of it is, an, is to influence people with the love of God. That people would know that God loves them. So we have the ability, the power to produce effects because of the love of God. Because of God's love in our heart, we are influencing the world, letting the world know, influencing the world in a positive way that God is a God of love and that he loves them and that he sent Jesus into the world for them, for all of us, because he so loved the whole world. So our mandate as a church, as Grace Church, and the church universal, our mandate is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. The Great Commission, going to all the world. And in order to achieve our church's redemptive potential that God has for us, our personal redemptive potential, then collectively as a church, we must become people of influence. Influence. Influencing people. The, the power, the ability to affect change. To affect change. Now, think with me for a moment. I just remembered what I told you to think about. <laughs> Having just said everything that I said about our responsibility and, and thinking about Jesus' prayer for us, just pause for a moment and think about the world system and to the great lengths the world system goes to influencing us. Think about all the commercials. Do we really need another Nike commercial? Do we really need another Coca-Cola commercial? Does anybody not know what Nike is? Does anybody know, not know what Budweiser is? Does anybody not know that Coors comes from the Rocky Mountain spring waters? <laughs> I mean, how many more times do we need to be reminded? Yeah. And that's just a tiny little fraction of all the commercials that we are bombarded with day in and day out. But all the advertisements that are continually being put before us, and then the entertainment industry, the great lengths that they go to to influence the culture. And it's not to influence the culture that God loves them and that God sent his son Jesus 
It's quite contrary. But think about the effort, and then think about the dollar amounts that go into it. I mean, when you hear, uh, many times on a Monday, you'll hear about the weekend reviews of the movies that came out and, and the, the gross earnings. I mean, the numbers are just mind-boggling, the amount of money that in the entertainment industry, just in the movie industry itself, just mind-boggling. But it's all designed to squeeze the culture into its mold, to get them to be thinking in a certain direction. But that's, you know, the world system is doing what the world system is designed to do. Satan is the god of this world system. Now I'm submitting that we don't whine and complain and, and just say, well, what's the use? We don't have that kind of money. We don't have that kind of influence. Uh, excuse me? The last time I read my Bible, my God still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the gold and all the silver. Last time I read my Bible, it says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses or to be influences, influencers in all the world. What, you know, the, the finances are not a problem. It's our thinking. We have allowed the world system to, to mold us into its way of thinking. And we need to shed that way of thinking and begin to think the way that God has created us to think, his will for us to think, and to begin to cooperate with the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, and not allow the world to squeeze us, like the Phillips translation of Romans 2, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. That's what the world system is designed to do to squeeze you into its mold. Now, the solution to that is not just to completely isolate yourself from that and put up walls and we live in this compound and our kids don't go outside of this compound. You have no contact with the neighbors, worldly neighbors. You can sell your goods to them, but don't fellowship with them. <laughs> you no, know, we become protectionists. And that's not God's plan. That is not his will. His will is that we be bold and we be filled with the Spirit of God and we plant, we, that we flourish where he planted us. And he planted us in the world. We are here. You are here for a purpose. You live where you live for a purpose. You are where you are, wherever you are, and your responsibility is to be an influencer. When you're going to school tomorrow, tomorrow, young men, when, when you go to school tomorrow, you're going in there to influence people. You're not to be influenced by the other students. You're not to be influenced by everything, by, we call it peer pressure. It's time that we reverse the roles and we start putting the pressure on. We're the influencers. Well, how do you become an influence in the school system? How do you become an influence among your peers when, you know, these are the standards, and if you're not living up to these standards and you're not cool, and then they want to reject you or they want to make fun of you. I don't know all the answers to all those, but Nathan will have that for you tonight. <laughs> and you can do it without cursing, put it that way. <laughs> My, but I, I do know, we don't have all the specific answers, but I do know 
You can be the influencers as a born again child of God, follower, a follower and a worshiper of God. You can be an influencer in your school. You don't have to feel like you're being, you know, sought out and ridiculed and laughed at and mocked. You you can be cooler than that. And you are cooler than that. Amen. Amen. You really are. And you can do it. Parents, pray for your children. Influence your children. Matter of fact, parents, you may want to stop being influenced by the world and stop being intimidated by peer pressure to conform to this world system. That may be a huge step in helping your children not be conformed to the world system. And we as parents are not conformed to the world system. And we stand up and we're bold and we're confident. Don't shout me down now because I'm starting to preach really well and I'm under time restraints. So... So influence, the ability to affect change, the ability to do good. So we are called by God to serve within the world system. We are called to be a shaper of the thinking in a culture that desperately tries to shape our thinking. I'm going to share that one more time, then we're going to close for today. And another reading assignment, read Daniel, in the book of Daniel. You, you probably heard the story before. The, the Hebrew boys that got thrown into the fiery furnace. That whole fiery furnace thing is a really nice story, and it's really exciting. Oh, they got out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Well, that's not the point. The point is Nebuchadnezzar is trying to get these boys to conform to his system and to worship according to the world system and to do business according to the world system, they refused to be shaped by the system, to be influenced by the system, and they became shapers of the thinking of the system that tried to influence them, and that is our goal. We become shapers of the, of the thinking of the very culture that is trying to shape our thinking. They're not doing it. We are turning the tables. We are shaping their system. It will be said of us, they turned the world upside down. means they flipped it. People are now starting to think, wow. Just like in the story of Daniel and the Hebrew boys, at the end, Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. You're going to worship this God. This is the God we're worshiping. This is the God we're going to worship. After witnessing what I just witnessed, I was wrong. The minority was right. Now we're going to worship the minority's God. Amen? So, I said I was going to share it one more time. I did, and I was getting ready to share it again, but I'm not going to. So here we go. You ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in here. I pray, Father, for the grace of God, the wisdom of God, the peace of God, the boldness of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing, that we become shapers of the thinking of a culture that is hell-bent on getting us to think and to act the way they think and the way they act. But Lord God, they are not being successful. We are born-again children of God. We have the armor of God on. We have on the helmet of salvation. We are not influenced by the world, but we are in a position where we are influencing the culture. I especially pray for our young men and women. And, and Lord God, in Jesus' name, may great grace rest upon each and every one that if they take their stand for you, Father, even though they're in the public square, I thank you, Lord, that in Jesus' name they are anointed to be influencers for the kingdom of God, and they can do it in a very bold, powerful, and many times discreet 
fashion in Jesus' name, name above all names. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us, and we give you the honor, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Well, listen, what we're doing today, we're going to release you just a few minutes early, dismiss you, and we want, really wanted to encourage you to stop by the fellowship hall, the gym, whatever you want to call it, and it's out here to your right. Check out the different grace groups that are starting up, and it'll be a, a wonderful thing. If you have children, we encourage you to maybe split up as moms and dads and one go over and check it out. Or, you know, just make sure you pick the kids up before 1120 or 1125, something like that. So they won't come looking for you. If you have any need for prayer for anything, someone would be happy to meet you up here and to pray with you. Come back next Sunday. We'll pick up on the subject of influence. And we'll start putting some different processes to it, and you'll be blessed. So God bless you. We love you, and go influence someone for good today. God bless you.